This is Audie, and you are listening to An Artist Prepares. It's my responsibility to amplify voices specifically of BIPOC um, and to try to draw attention to injustice and to try to advocate to change it. And then also, as someone who was socialized as a woman and is non-binary and queer, like social justice directly affects me and my community. So I've always just felt like I had to speak out. And it, it's really important, I think, for, for people who are in you know, institutional places of power, even like just because of their identity, to be able to use that in a way that's helpful. Today, I sit down and have a conversation with Maddie Vespa, who found TikTok to be the perfect outlet for promoting social change. So if you've ever spoken to someone from Massachusetts, they love to brag about how we're a blue state. With more than 16,000 followers and 427,000 likes on TikTok, she has been spreading information and education about democracy and voting. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of equality and social change in addition to talking about how social justice is at the core of everything that Maddie creates through her music, theater productions, and social media. If you haven't followed An Artist Prepares already or subscribed, please do so. And I hope you guys enjoy today's episode of An Artist Prepares. Thank you so much for being here, Maddie. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited as well. Where are you tuning in from today? I am in Newton, Massachusetts. I'm with my family. Um, I've been isolating with them since March, actually. So that's where I am. <laughs> and that's where you grew up and everything, right? Yep. This is home for yeah. me. Um, and you are a student, right? Yes. Um, what are you studying? Where are you studying? What's What's your life story right now? <laughs> I am a fourth year theater major at Northeastern University. Um, I'm a transfer student, so I started off somewhere else, and then I came to Northeastern um, as a sophomore. And I have one more year left because Northeastern's a five-year program. Um, and I'm a theater major oh. with uh, minors in musical theater, women, gender, and sexuality studies, and communications. <laughs> I want to know how you came to all of those minors. I just want to know how you put it all together. Yeah, so um, I was a theater major at my first institution, um, and I like did the whole BFA audition circuit twice because um, I was a transfer. Uh, and then I got to Northeastern, and the, one of the things that made me choose Northeastern was like the freedom to kind of do whatever you want um, and to just like pick the academic plan that you like. And so I had come in with the women, gender, and sexuality studies minor, basically, like, I had, like, a few classes already toward it from my old institution. And I was like, hey, I'm queer. I like this. So I just filled it. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I really love musical theater. I had applied for musical theater BFA programs. Um, so that led me to the musical theater minor. And then communications. Um, I have a lot of experience in social media marketing and management. And so I was like, all right, communications is a good minor for that. Um, and I did marketing. Northeastern has a thing called co-op, which is like an internship mm. program. Um, and so I actually was the marketing manager for a music education startup website um, that does like, it like teaches you how to play guitar online um, and does a little bit of music education advocacy work. 
Uh, so I was a marketing manager for them for six months last spring, like right when the pandemic hit. <laughs> that is insanely awesome. <laughs> what is your goal? This is very deep. What are your career goals like right now? If you're like thinking to the future, like where do you see yourself in like, I don't know, 10 years? Oh, that's such a deep question. <laughs> I know. Um, I think as a lot of artists to do, we have like plans A through K of like things that like we can oh, do. Yeah. Um. I think I really want to be able to use art to create social change. That's kind of been my mm -hmm. big like thing. And I think theater is a way that you can do that. I'm also a musician and so music. Um, and then like also more recently, TikTok has been like a platform that I can do that with. Um, yeah. And so I think like, I don't know, I would love, I would love to be a theater performer and a musician at the same time two financially not very lucrative careers um but <laughs> but hey if you combine them maybe yeah maybe maybe there's something there <laughs> um but yeah i think i i love working in theater whether it be as a performer or like as a sound designer or like in tech like anything like that um mm. so i'd love to be able to continue to work in theater while also figuring out ways to like do music as well um trying to find like the balance of both i think is like my goal um mm. but yeah i don't really have like a set like i want to do this in 10 years because i'm kind of like here's the general fields i want to work in and wherever it takes me <laughs> is where i'll go <laughs> i love that you know life is going to come up with a bunch of twists and a bunch of you know stuff like that happen and um just out of just a year ago you probably wouldn't think that you would be creating social change on tiktok yeah which is <laughs> What I found, you randomly popped up in my For You page when I was scrolling, and I was like, wait, I, I think I know her. And then I went in, and I started looking at your content, and um, I, I, I was blown away. Thank um, you. <laughs> the amount of education that you have on your TikTok, especially for people living in Massachusetts is insane like i wish i had a maddie person for georgia <laughs> because i'm registered to vote in georgia um and doing all that kind of stuff i wish i had a person like you who could like explain like every question on the ballot Thank and you. like everything that's going on because you are incredibly good at just breaking everything down into <laughs> 60 seconds and like actually explain it to people in a way that actually makes sense Thank so you. I want to hear a little bit of uh, a little bit from you. Like, how did you how did you get into TikTok, and how did you start using that platform to share information on like voting and democracy and all that cool stuff? Yeah. So I I think I my friends and I had created a group musically count ba account back in like high school, and we like right, never because used it. Was it. Musically first, yeah, right. I forgot about that. And so yeah. we never used it, but like I had a musically account, and I didn't really know how it worked. And this is gonna age <laughs> me. Um, I'm I'm not that old, but on TikTok, I'm considered old. <laughs> like <laughs> someone was like, "Hey, older side of TikTok," you know, people born in the late '90s, and I was like okay <laughs> but so i my band's music had gotten distributed to tiktok from like the distribution mm. company we work with and yep. so i was like all right i guess it's time i actually use this platform that is now no longer musically okay um and so i've had an account since like november of last year um and i didn't really know how it worked <laughs> and then like in the new year i was like i guess i'm just gonna start like making 
dumb content and just see what happens. Like, it's for me and my friends, nothing, like, my older videos are, like, very dumb. Um, and then I started just, like, being frustrated with, like, politics. I mean, I've always been frustrated with politics, but, like, I started yeah. um, feeling like I needed a different outlet to, like, be frustrated with politics because that's normally my band. Um, and then my band had to go on a hiatus right as the pandemic was hitting. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I need a different outlet because songwriting is not doing it for me right now. And so um, the Massachusetts uh, 4th Congressional District election happened. Yeah. Um, which in the primary was like a huge deal because mm. uh, we had somebody who was formally registered as a Republican, had a history of mm. racist comments and a history of like, he had said something about not allowing people to fly the Confederate flag at school, like in public school is like the same as not allowing someone to fly a Black Lives Matter banner, which it's not. <laughs> Those two things are not the same. Yeah, yeah it's not. <laughs> um, and so, and his name's Jake Auchincloss, and he's actually a, a city councilor or something in Newton. So I am not a fan of his. I remember wow. his um, nonsense that happened around the Confederate flag with some of Newton's high schools. And mm. so he and Jesse Mermel, who was the progressive who was in the lead, um, were going head to head, basically. A lot of people had dropped out and endorsed Mermel to try to beat Auchincloss. And what ended up happening was Jesse Marmel lost by like 0.2% of the vote or something, or like maybe one point. I think it was 1.1% of the vote. Um, but so I had initially made a video um, about how frustrated I was that Jake Auchincloss was like this racist that was like probably going to win. And that was the first yeah. video I made that had like blown up. Like it had like, I think it has almost 100,000 views now. So like relative to how some of my other videos wow. have blown up, that's actually not like as much, but it, but it was a big thing, you know, yeah. because you had a pretty small audience to begin with. And then yeah. suddenly this, this one video just blows up a little bit. Yeah. I had 200 followers <laughs> and then hit like 1100 in a few days. <laughs> Um, and so that video, um, kind of like, I was like me in my grandparents' bathroom, like in the mirror, like ranting about, um, how frustrated I was that Massachusetts calls itself a blue state. And then like, we had this really conservative person in the fourth congressional district that was out here, like about to win the democratic nomination. Yeah. A lot of people were then asking me questions like, okay, can you talk about like ranked choice voting? Cause this is something that like, if we had ranked choice voting, Jesse Marmel would have won because mm. the issue that happened was that yeah. the progressive vote split. I was like, yeah, no, ranked choice voting is great. And it's on the ballot in November. Um, and so I started making videos about ranked choice voting. I actually worked with the Yes on Two campaign for a little bit, um, which was like the official oh, wow. like campaign for the ranked choice voting question in Massachusetts. Um, I worked with them a little bit and I tried to like get people more involved um, with Massachusetts politics because I think like I'm not necessarily a Democrat in the sense that, like, I'm farther left than the Democratic Party. Um, but I think that it's yeah. really important that we do our part to try to get people civically engaged so that we can change the fact that the Democratic Party is so far to the right or and or be able to have multiple parties so the Democratic Party can still exist. But then there's one that's more representative of those of us farther left than the Democrats. So... 
Exactly. And I think that's something that stood out to me about your TikTok is that you're you're not talking about like Democrats versus Republicans. You're asking like the bigger question, like why is America like this or this? Like why can't we have the whole spectrum? Basically, I'm from Norway, so mm-hmm. even like I just I literally I was going through your TikTok before before this interview, of course, and I was just looking at like a lot of your videos again, and I saw the political alignment video that you had. And I was just thinking about Norway, and it was so true because the Democratic Party in um, the U.S. is, like, way more conservative than the Democratic Party, um, in quotation marks, in Norway. Um, Which I think is super fascinating. Like, not everything is, like, this or this. There are actually other options and um, other... (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, it's almost like there's a world outside of the U.S., which I could not imagine. Different ideas. Wow. Um, And I think it's... I just think it's really cool that you're bringing awareness to, like, and questioning, um, questioning what politics is, and especially right now in a time where a lot of people are tired of politics, especially here in Georgia. Oh, you have no idea of all the stuff that we're getting right now. Um, I think it's also really powerful to tell the, like, bigger question, like, why are we getting sick of election stuff? Why are we getting sick of stuff? Like, what, what is out there? Which I really, really like. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that video, actually, I had, I had another video go viral that I since had to take down because I got uh, pretty atrociously bullied by, and internet trolls I don't care about, I had people that I know bullying me, um, which is unacceptable. Wow. Yeah, um. And I had made a video about the punk subculture um, mm. and how, because I'm involved in the punk scene um, in Massachusetts. And uh, and so I had made a video about how, like, Nazis have no place in punk, <laughs> um, which is, you know, uh, yeah. like, historically accurate. Uh, yeah. I had said something that was cringy, that, like, it came across weird, and it was cringy. That was fine. So I got bullied for it. Um, as the horrible place that is the internet does. <laughs> um, um, but so that video in the comments, a lot of people were like treating politics and human rights and everything where I was talking about like how you can't be like voting for candidates that are trying to like kill people, like kill marginalized groups <laughs> um, when, if you identify as a punk because that's antithetical to what punk is. Yeah. Um, and so people in my comments were like, Democrat, Republican, da 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 like, I don't believe in anything. And I'm like, well, it's not just Democrats and Republicans. There's a world outside of the United States. So that was what that that political alignment video is the only one still up from like yeah. the section of my TikTok when I was doing a bunch of videos about punk in concession um, mm-hmm. or in succession, because that video isn't quite about punk. <laughs> and so. Because, yeah, if, like, if I only thought my two options were Democrat and Republican, I'd be like, no, I don't want to be a part of the system either. <laughs> like, this sucks. Mm, yeah. But, like, political, like, your political beliefs and, like, your morals, they exist outside of the United States two-party system. And if you exactly. leave the United States, you still have a set of values. And you're, like, you're, <laughs> which I feel like shouldn't be something that needs to be explicitly said. But unfortunately, know, right? that's how our system is in this country. Um, yeah. where people put party affiliation over their mm. own, like, beliefs. Um, I, I mean, I am, I am shocked. Well, I'm not shocked about the party culture over here. Um, I don't want to say that, but, um, when I was moving over here to Savannah, um, two years ago, two and a half years ago, 
my mom and my sister was with me, which was super fun. And my sister had to consistently <laughs> remind my mom to be like, hey, don't start talking about politics. Don't talk about politics. Because in Norway, I literally, like, some of my best friends uh, in Norway are on, like, the complete opposite spectrum of, like, the Norwegian political system. Mm -hmm. And we're still great friends. Like, we have great discussions. We argue about stuff. We have different opinions. But at the end of it all, like, we hug and we're like, yeah, cool. You know, we have different opinions. But, like, yeah, like, you're still educated. You're still smart. All that stuff. Um, but here... It's like, you can't even talk about it. You can't even mention it. And if you do, it's like life uh, life or death. Yeah. Families going apart. It's Politics should not be that way. Politics should be just people saying what, they, um, what their opinions are and what their values are. And it should be polite. It should be... I just have to remind people to, like, be nice to each other, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel... I, I wish that was just a given. Yeah, and I think that, like, part of it as well with the United States... And I'm not familiar with Norway's political system, so please yeah. correct me if I misspeak. <laughs> um, the United States uh, has this unfortunate belief that human rights are negotiable. Mm. Um, and I think yeah. that that is why it is so difficult to get across like to the other side whether like from left mm. to right i'm not so much talking about democrats and republicans because democrats yeah. have a history of believing human rights are negotiable too <laughs> so yeah. um but i think our in our entire political system because it our country was built in a system that oppresses black people specifically but all people of mm. color um and then also like women and like the intersectionality of oppression that's a different conversation but like specifically yeah. our country was built to oppress people of color and by poc and mm. our system is working great in that regard but and so it's like the system needs to be changed entirely and the conversation needs to switch from like who deserves to have rights to like okay we all have rights now let's argue about funding the school buses. Yeah, like, I think politics are like, that stuff like, okay, school bus route, right? Like, and your your school committee is talking about the most yeah. route for the school bus. And you disagree and whatever, but it's not a matter of life and death. It's just like, hey, what's the best exactly. way to, like, route the school bus? And I think that that, like, in that regard, I'm not interested in politics at all. Um, but like with yep. question one in Massachusetts, which Massachusetts, which was about um, the telematic data system in your car, <laughs> I was like, this is the kind of politics that I'm talking about where I'm like, this is very important yeah. to some people. I'm mm -hmm. not a politician. <laughs> like, and, exactly. And I'm like, this is what politics should be talking about data systems in your car. Yeah. Privacy. That's great. But, like, arguing for, like, fundamental human rights to, like, live? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I want to ask you, do you feel, do you personally feel, like, the need to speak up and to create content? So, I kind of, um, once I kind of became, like, a worldly aware person, I was really frustrated with racism and sexism and homophobia and transmisogyny and transphobia. Um, so, I kind of just... I've always been, like, a little bit of, like, an activist. I'd always go to protests and stuff. And, like, I was, um, mm. before I was allowed to do that, I was, like, very much an internet activist um, and did, like, as much as I could from my house when I was, you know, 14 and I had Facebook and that was it and couldn't go to protests. Um, 
And so I, when I joined my band Cherry Brat, um, where I guess started it because it was like a three of us that like came together and were like, hey, let's do a band. Um, We kind of, I was asked to join like as a, under the idea that it was a riot girl band, which is like a feminist punk thing, which is not, Mm. oh, transphobic, contrary to popular belief. Um, a lot of people think that Riot yeah. Girl is like trans exclusionary, but I'm a non-binary person. I fall under the trans umbrella. Riot Girl was infiltrated by TERFs. I just feel like I need to say that it is not transphobic. Um, yeah. but so Riot Girl is inherently a political genre. I've always been into punk, um, and, uh, like green, like American Idiot changed my life, like Green Day's album, American Idiot. Mm. Um, so it gave me a platform to be able to like start talking about political issues on a broader scale. Um, and... I, that was kind of like the first time that I'd ever been given the platform for people to actually listen. Um, because mm. when I was younger, I joined Cherry Brat when I was 19. Um, so I, when I was younger as a musician, I wasn't taken seriously because I was like a teen girl, girl in quotation yeah. marks. And, <laughs> and a lot of people uh, don't like listening to teen girls about anything. <laughs> um, this is the first time that people would ever actually give a shit about what I had to say. So um, through Cherry Brat, I was able to kind of like create music that talked about social issues, specifically things that affected me, um, sexual assault yeah. and music scene, stuff like that. Mm. And TikTok was it kind of became another outlet for that, as well as theater. Like um, I have also done a lot of theater for social change, theater of the oppressed, stuff like that. Um, and I think that like, for me, I've always felt like it's my responsibility to speak out as somebody that has access yep. to resources like academic resources and has the privilege to be able to understand the, the dumb, inaccessible academic jargon <laughs> that is in every piece of theory you'll ever find. Um, yeah, it's my responsibility to amplify voices specifically of BIPOC um, and to try to mm. draw attention to injustice and to try to advocate to change it. And then also as someone who was socialized as a woman and is non-binary and queer mm. and like I there's a lot of like social justice directly affects me in my community. Yeah. So I've always just felt like I had to speak out. Um, mm. And it it's really important, I think, for for people who are in you know, institutional places of power, even like just because of their identity to be able to use that in a way that's helpful. And I think that artists a lot of the time feel that calling a little bit stronger than like Mm. others, because with like when you're in the arts, a lot of the time you can like you see more. Well, when you're in the arts in like a more in a less commercial context, we'll say, um, of course, uh, you see people and you meet people and stuff and you are you're interacting with people who maybe be, don't fall into like the hegemonic group of people mm. you'd be around normally. Um, and you learn about people a lot more because art is so inherently like emotional and visceral and like, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but <laughs> that's kind of. <laughs> we'll be right back. I recently watched, um, a video of a production at the Lincoln Center of uh, Pipeline by uh, Dominique mm. Morso, I think. I'm so horrible at pronouncing names, um, so I apologize. But uh, it's about the school-to-prison pipeline um, for black youth in mm. the United States. Um, and it's just 
so it was such an incredible production um and i think that like yeah. the show the fairview that you're talking about as well as pipeline and i mean like there's so many plays that do incredible work to try to like call attention to problems and be like look you've lived this now through this show um mm. i'm actually the general manager of new renaissance theater company at northeastern which is um oh wow which is a theater company based on highlighting um marginalized voices and marginalized playwrights specifically playwrights um of color and um we worked and like we worked to create a space for marginalized folks especially and especially students of color to be able to come mm. and like perform and do theater and to be able to call out like social justice issues and like specifically race um like race issues and stuff like that um as well as like as well as like queer issues and stuff so we were in the spring slated to do stop kiss by diana sun which is like an incredible mm, yeah it is the most yeah. amazing like call in of a play um because it it's kind of one of those plays that doesn't need a talk back because it has the discussion for you during the play yeah um and so it's theater is just such an which is part of the reason i was so i've always been so drawn to theater is like it's such an incredible way to spark empathy in people i think um mm. especially yeah. in the united states empathy is like it's basically like a commodity like it's so it's so hard to come by which is so sad um yeah and so it's it's very much theater is just so powerful in that way because you force your audience to live through an experience of your character like or whoever whichever characters are like your window in right um, which is something that all white people have to have that reckoning at some point of like, oh, my God, yeah. I've had privilege this whole time and I've been benefiting from the system that is actively oppressing people around me. What exactly. do I do? And mm. like for me, like coming to that was um, like and really fully realizing the extent of that as I was transitioning into adulthood was like, I need to read I need there's so many books that I need to read that like mm. need that I that are people much more educated than me who dedicated their yep. life to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, you don't want to ever put that burden like your friends of color. You know, you should never do that. Exactly. So I have read some incredible books about um, institutional oppression and ra specifically institutional racism um, and how that affects the black community. Um, and I'm now going to name drop a few just because they're great. Please do. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you to do yeah, that. <laughs> uh, uh, when They Call You a Terrorist by Patrice Con Colors, who's one of the like founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, is mm. maybe one of my favorite books I've ever read. Um, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. If you haven't read that, you need to. Um, it's kind of like very much, it's kind of like a lot of people's first step into like talking about um, institutional racism. And then uh, books by Angela Davis talking about, like, the prison industrial complex, um, specifically Our Prisons Obsolete, um, and uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi um, is an incredible book that I think sometimes as, like, when, as a white person, I'm, like, I'm very, like, educated in my own head, right? <laughs> You're, like, I'm educated yeah. about this issue or, like, or I'm trying to educate myself more. And you feel mm -hmm. like you have a good understanding of stuff. Even though, like, you never do when it's anything. You, yeah. There's always more to learn yeah. about everything. Yeah. But sometimes it's easy to get complicit in that. And I read How to Be an Anti-Racist. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more. that." And I and I was like, I've read so many books. Like, I, nah, nah. you know, you get up in your own head of, like, yeah. 
I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um and then I read that book and I was like, "Oh no, there's more to do. There's there's <laughs> so much more to do." Which is fine, you know? Like that's yeah. That's not um it's not a bad thing to confront those things within your brain and to be like, "No, that was wrong. Yeah. How do I change it?" Um I'm going to put all these books in the description too. So if you're listening and you didn't catch those names, like go in the episode description and they will be all there. Awesome. Yeah. And there, uh, there's an app in the US called Libby and they have um, ebooks and audiobooks and they're free with your library card. You can rent them for like two weeks. Um, so if, if podcasts are your thing, all the books that I just mentioned are available in audiobook form through Libby with the exception of are Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis, but there's an audiobook for free on YouTube. Wow. <laughs> so there's literally no excuse yeah. for you to not check out these books. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're incredible. Um, and it's, as a white person talking, like, trying to, you know, raise awareness about sh- social justice, social injustice, and trying to change things, it's just so important to just, like, be aware of, like, what you're doing. And people make mistakes, and it's about listening to the people that call you out when you've made a mistake and apologizing and taking full accountability for it so um you know doing that work and trying to do it within yourself and trying to google things and not put that burden on black creators and creators of color and on your friends and stuff like that um is a really important part of i think trying to like be an intersectional activist at all um because ultimately, even if you're not, like, even if race isn't at the forefront of your activism, whatever yeah. you're, act, like, act, like activisting for and whatever you're standing up for, like, was uh, is obviously going to affect people of color at a disproportionate rate. So you need to be educated about that, like, and enough to at least, like, talk about, like, like, for instance, LGBTQ plus activism is, like, your thing. You need to be able to talk about how trans women of color are like the most hate crimed group out of all of us. Like, and that's, it's, yeah, there's a lot, but it's just being able to do, being willing to do that work within yourself so that you don't spread harm unintentionally. Mm, That's, that's so true. Um, I am so deeply inspired by you maddie and all the work that you do and just having this conversation with you is just it's just blowing my mind um the world needs people like you and the world needs people like you to keep speaking up and sharing stories and being willing to go out of your comfort zone to um stop social injustice um and i and i i really want to know if i know that you had a break from tiktok and you're back on it you're creating content there um do you have any other like passions or projects that you're working on or you want to do in like the near future like what's next in maddie's life yeah um i'm super excited to be back on tiktok i took like such an extended break like much longer than i had (laughs) i had initially i was like be back in like two weeks how about two months (laughs) um yeah but yeah i'm very happy to be back on tiktok so that's kind of like um creating content trying to figure out like what the best way to like create content for that is definitely um right up at the front but i i am a folk pop singer songwriter so I am working on some music for that, um, and I 
have like some theater stuff going on with like new renaissance and uh mm. and i'm working in marketing for my school's theater department um, awesome but i guess mostly it's mostly right now it's tiktok because i've got the time to do it um because i'm on break and like working on my own music and getting excited for that and trying to support um my school's theater stuff as much as i can that's kind of what's on the horizon for me. <laughs> I love that. Um, please, please tell us where we can find you and your work on all the things. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So my TikTok, since we're that's where we're talking about, um, it's at <laughs> Manaja Miseria, which is horrendous to spell. Um, but uh, it's... Uh, it's also in the episode description. I just want to put that out there. Fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to try to spell it out loud. It's Italian for <laughs> damn it. Um, but that's... Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah. It's a... It was a fun... It's a fun little exclamation because I did the whole my name being my TikTok handle thing and it didn't mm. go well. So um, we we create... We changed... We have a fun username now. Uh, Love it. So that's my TikTok. And then my Instagram is maddie.vespa. Um and you can find my band at cherrybratma.bandcamp.com um, and cherrybratma on everything. And my music stuff is uh, Maddie Vespa Music. Um, and stay tuned. There's nothing out yet, but mm-hmm, maybe, maybe Ooh. soon. <laughs> so excited. Um, thank you so much once again, Maddie, for being on the podcast. I super appreciate you and... Please get some rest and have a great rest of your break. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. (laughs) And that was a wrap for season two of An Artist Prepares. I am so happy and I want to personally thank you for listening to all of the episodes. It means so much to me. And I want to give a huge big thank you to everyone who took time out of their days to be interviewed on this podcast. I just want to remind you that this podcast is not going to go away. So leave a review, share it with your friends, um, share the love and share the wisdom. I wish you guys all the best. Have a great rest of your week, of your day, of your year. I love you. See you guys later. Thank you for listening. Uh oh, thank you for listening.